Today is Friday, January 31st, 2020. On this day in 1947, 17-year-old mill worker Rita Bouchard disappeared without a trace. She told her boss she needed to leave work early for a doctor's appointment, but she never made it there. The next day, she was found in a wooded park in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, stabbed 30 times. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the unsolved murder of Rita Bouchard, a 17-year-old mill worker from North Providence, Rhode Island. Before we unpack the police investigation, let's go back to Friday, January 31st, 1947 in Pawtucket, Rhode Island at around 5 p.m. Outside at last, Rita breathed in a lungful of cold, damp air. After being shut inside the fabric mill and its hot, close atmosphere, the chilly weather felt refreshing, liberating. She set off toward the bus stop. She needed to make her way downtown. That was where he said he'd meet her. He told her it was urgent. As the bus pulled away, Rita felt a pang of worry. She was a good girl, a good worker. She wasn't the type to lie to her boss, to make up a story about a doctor's appointment. Her aunt and uncle would be shocked if they found out. Rita Bouchard sneaking out of work for a date? But just this once, it wouldn't hurt. He needed to see her. He would pick her up in his car and they'd go for a drive. He said he had a big night planned for them. Maybe he'd finally decided to leave his wife. The thought scared Rita as much as it thrilled her. She wasn't sure what she thought about him. On the one hand, he was so handsome, so sophisticated. But on the other, his temper. One night they'd had a fight. She'd pushed him away, not ready to do what he asked for. And he became another person, angry, frightening. He screamed at her. She was ugly and stupid and should feel lucky to be on a date with him at all. Then he'd driven her home in a rage. She'd laid in bed that night unable to sleep. Men could be violent and it could happen on a dime. Even a shy, awkward girl like Rita could find herself the object of fury. It scared her. She told her sister, Mildred, her fears. A man was going to hurt her one day and possibly even kill her. She knew this in her bones. But would her killer be this man? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe she just had a morbid imagination. The bus stopped. Time to meet him. The marquee of the Capitol Theater was blazing. An Ingrid Bergman movie was playing. Looking for a distraction, she went into the theater. But before Rita could find a seat, she heard her name. It was Raymond Pattenode the 17-year-old brother of her best friend, Teresa. 
Raymond worked as a dishwasher at the mill, and Rita got the distinct impression he liked her. Raymond lumbered over. He was small and stocky, with eyes that never quite met your own. He was also a little strange, sometimes laughing at things that weren't funny. There were rumors he'd spent time in a reform school, but he wasn't a bad person, just a little confused. Rita walked back outside with him and sat on a bench. They talked about the mill, their childhoods. Raymond's father was still alive. She envied him of that. Hers had passed away years before. At last, a car pulled up. Rita saw her date behind the wheel. He called out, Rita, are you ready? She turned to Raymond and said goodbye, then got into the car without a word. Raymond watched her drive off. In the rearview mirror, he almost looked worried. Later, hours later, parked with this man in the woods, she told him she didn't want to see him anymore. It was too much. Things were going too fast. And his wife, she was bound to find out. Rita had changed her mind about it all. But she knew from his eyes that it was too late. He was angry. This time, he didn't start the car or drive off in a rage. This time, he took out a knife. Coming up, police investigate the murder of Rita Bouchard. Now, back to the story. On January 31, 1947, Rita Bouchard left early from her shift at Rhode Island Fabric Mills in Pawtucket. She was supposed to go to a doctor's appointment, but she never made it. On the morning of February 1st, her body was discovered. She'd been stabbed 30 times, including a slash from ear to ear. The wounds were deep. Her eyeglasses and $40 from her purse were both missing, but a gold wristwatch remained on her left wrist. She lay on top of her coat. Her clothing, a blue and white printed dress and bobby socks, seemed untouched. There was no sign of a struggle or of sexual assault. For such a brutal crime, there was little blood. She'd likely been moved there after her murder. Strangely, considering the number of marks on her back, there were only three slits made in her coat. The weapon was nowhere in sight. Medical examiner Albert J. Gaudet told reporters that this was a fiendish kind of murder. The stab marks were deep and excessive. They showed every sign of being done in what newspapers would call a frenzied rage. Whoever had stabbed Rita so brutally and so viciously had probably known her. Then the police noticed something uniquely strange. A tree on the edge of the clearing had been hacked with an axe. Two feet up from the ground, the bark was torn off and the tree had been sliced with a deep blade, as if to point people directly towards the body. The police put out a radio broadcast later that afternoon. Rita lived with her aunt and uncle, the Luminellos, who were also her foster parents. 
They wondered why she hadn't come home the night before, but they assumed she'd gone to spend the night with a girlfriend. Then, Thomas Luminello heard the reports of a girl's body found near Ten Mile River. He identified her. Thomas was shocked. Who could have done this to his quiet, shy niece? According to him, Rita had never even been out with boys, but his wife knew better. She told the police that there was a repulsive man Rita had been trying to avoid. He had come around the house several times, trying to take Rita out. She'd said no. The police started digging. They talked to some of Rita's coworkers, especially her friend Teresa Pattonode. It appeared that Rita actually had quite an active social life. She may have even been seeing a married man. This man quickly became their primary suspect. He lived in the Pawtucket area and hadn't been home since the night of the murder. However, on February 2nd, it was Raymond Pattonode that was in police custody. Raymond was only 17, a minor, and therefore his name was kept out of the papers. But the facts point to his identity. He was held by police for 72 hours. Some reports say that he confessed to blacking out and waking up beside Rita's dead body. But when he led police to the murder site, his descriptions of Rita didn't line up with how she was found at the crime scene. Moreover, he told police that he woke up next to her body before midnight. But medical examiner Albert Gaudet was sure that Rita had died close to 6 a.m. Saturday morning. Raymond was ultimately dismissed as a suspect on February 6, 1947. To this day, the case has never been solved. For more than 70 years, the investigation went cold. But in December of 2018, Pawtucket police detective Susan Cormier decided to reopen the case. Her method has attracted notice for its innovation and common sense. She decided to include Rita's face, name, and crime story in a pack of playing cards distributed to Rhode Island prisons. The cold case playing cards, as they're known, are intended to spark recognition or draw out potential information among inmates. Rita is the ace of spades. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out ParCast Original, Unsolved Murders. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. 
It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joanna Philbin, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 